Welcome back to This List Sucks. Because it still sucks. Still does. Worse than last week. I'm JB. I'm Mike. And we're here back talking about lists of all kinds. All kinds. And why they suck or why they don't suck. For the most part, they suck, though, I yep, think. That, in our experience. That's what we've found <laughs> thus so, far. So least. far, so good on the suckiness level. Mm-hmm. This list we've chosen to start with, uh, getting back into the one from last week, is Rolling Stone's brand new list of the greatest 500 albums of all time. Updated from 2003, as we mentioned on the on the first podcast, and really the biggest difference that they had is they just wanted a little bit more contribution from artists and other industry execs rather than just being an editorial board from what I can gather. But Right, and probably just time to update it with it being 17 years is that right? Since the last or 16 years since the last release. So absolutely. Surely there were some new and there are. I mean, already there's a couple records that were not or that were have been released since that list came out. It's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. I mean, and again, we'll, I mean, we'll get into it when we when we get to those albums. But it's it's interesting to see a really relatively new album make it on a list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. Yeah. And a really young guy, too. Very unique. No spoiler alert. So no spoiler. Yeah. Should we do uh, this? Obviously, won't be won't be practical to do as we get further into the list. But we could do a recap of the last five that we did in the last episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we'll just quickly recap the 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 bottom five hundred albums of the the greatest list of all time. <laughs> so coming in last place is Arcade Fire Funeral, and then number four ninety nine was Rufus featuring Shaka Khan. Ask Rufus. 1977 number 498 was suicide self-titled record suicide banger also 77 100 (laughs) percent banger get in there and listen to frankie teardrop make it your top (laughs) priority 497 was the indestructible beat of soweto which is a compilation album of south african music and then 496 was shakira's donde están los ladrones I pronounced that right, Mike? Absolutely. Where are those these? Although, editorial correction from last week, because I told you all that I didn't know Spanish anymore, and yet I still tried to make a piss-poor interpretation of the last song on Donde Están Los Ladrones. Did you get the words wrong? Absolutely, I got the words wrong. I told you I don't know shit. (laughs) Remind me what the words were. Ojos Así. Oh, Which, you said eyes open. Th- of course, that's what I said. But that's not it. Fuck no, that's <laughs> not. Of course, that's not it. Oh I, I I don't speak Spanish. Whenever I do, it's poor and broken, and it usually involves beers, burritos, or bathrooms. And so, as an editorial correction, Shakira really wanted us to know that um, the title of that song was Eyes Like Mine. She reached out to us. Yeah, she did. She yeah. sent us a direct. She sent us a direct message. We shouldn't have put on, our email on. We there. should yeah. not have put the email on there. But just in case, um, boys to men, <laughs> or Veronica Spector want to send us a message this week, or any of our listeners, you can send it, or you can go to our anchor page, which is anchor.fm forward slash this list sucks, and you can send us a message there. Or, boy, my message is really kind of hard to say. I'm mumbling the shit out of my s's. I apologize to everybody, but. You can also send us an email with the email address, this list sucks at gmail.com. So please feel free to interact with us with us in any way, shape or form you want. But, Absolutely. but listen, before we jump in here, um, in addition to those editorial comments from last week, uh, we're recording this on a Friday night. 
Friday the 24th, and tomorrow is going to be the last original record store day drop mm -hmm. of the year. So hopefully anybody that's out there that's listening to this, you're into music. Um, if you're into collecting vinyl, hopefully you're out there supporting record stores. What are you excited about? Anything? Definitely the the dead release. I think we're both kind of excited about that. Um, Boom. Right? Is it is it Cornell? My no. What is it? You son oh, of a God. bitch! Yeah. <laughs> I have a computer right in front of me. Okay, so they originally, I, and I don't know when Cornell seventy seven was originally released on vinyl. That was also a record store day release a little while back. That's maybe what I was thinking. Two of. or three years ago. <laughs> no, so this this one's near and dear to my heart because it's the night after Cornell, which was May eighth. This one was recorded in Buffalo on May 9th, which okay. just so happens to be my birthday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was just one day off. Yes. But, but I, but I've been jokingly saying that, and actually you're the one that made this crack whenever we first talked about this album being dropped a long time ago when they made record store day releases. And I was like, yeah, I'm super excited because it's a show they played on the day I was born. And you go, yeah, dude, it's like your birthday soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, love it's that. Like you're born to that. To yes, the, to the absolutely. sounds of Grateful Dead. Only I wasn't. My mom wasn't in house at the Buffalo show, giving birth to me late that night. But it's okay. And there's also the uh, in terms of record store day. Uh, I'm a big Warren Zevon fan, and I'm sure we're going to see some Warren Zevon on this list. I'm hoping for excitable. <laughs> some <boy>. excitable boy. <laughs> it's probably number one, I would assume. <laughs> but uh, he's a. Uh, there's a best of, as curated by Judd Apatow. Like the film producer. So that's pretty interesting. So did you dig into that one at all? I didn't look into it at all yet, but uh, that's that's one of the releases for tomorrow. I just, I read that it's, apparently Judd Apatow is a huge Warren Zevon fan. And so this is his list of the of the greatest, of the best stuff. But I haven't looked into the track list at all yet. So. From what I gather, he's a huge Warren Zevon fan to the point that every year he holds this concert where he brings artists in to play tribute show. Yeah, yeah. It's like a tribute show that he does every year to Warren Zevon. And it just, I don't know when I read that, I instantly thought, why the fuck isn't JB doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to be invited. That'd be great. <laughs> but yeah. So how about you, Mike? What are you excited about? Uh, obviously I'm excited about the, uh, the dead box set. Um, Warren Zevon is going to be interesting. There's also, Miles Davis. There's mm -hmm. some alternate takes from the Bitches Brew sessions, which Bitches Brew is another one that I have to imagine is going to be on this list somewhere. Almost certainly. I would imagine top top 250 at least, right? I would hope. It's one of those albums that I actually, earlier this year when quarantine first started, I was trying to get together, well, just to keep myself from going crazy. Um, every day I would, I would post kind of a random album that I wanted to listen to. I was calling it my quarantine listeners club. And the very yeah. first thing that I put up there was bitches brew. And I tried to warn everybody. It's, it's a challenging listen. Yeah. You just reminded me about the quarantine listeners club and now I'm kind of upset that that stopped. It did. Yeah. I mean, we're not really in quarantine anymore. And plus yeah. it got to the point where it's like, I was having a hard time finding albums to listen to, but now we got this. I listened to several of those, though. Yeah, Bitches Brew is a great choice. Yeah. My uncle gave me that as a Christmas gift when I was maybe like 11 years old. It was a CD. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is this? I didn't know. But it took me a couple of years to come around. But I, yeah. of course, did. Yeah. I mean, you almost you almost have to have some level of thorough drug use before you can really yeah. appreciate what's happening on that album to a certain extent. Um, certainly, Miles Davis was in a whole other world yeah <laughs> most of those recording sessions it was just confusing it was it, the entire thing is improv essentially yeah 
So. Yeah, free form, like the birth of fusion, I guess, which is ironic because Miles Davis also has an album called The Birth of Cool. Mm-hmm. And that's clearly the birth of fusion. He's birthed many things. Yeah, but those are the big ones. You know, those are the big <clears throat> ones for me: the Miles Davis and um, and the Dead. And there's an Almond Brothers release, but it's later in the Almond Brothers um, life. And I do remember seeing something about that. I prefer the stuff with Dwayne. Oh yeah, I'm not gonna lie. You know, no 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 offense to Dicky, right? Yeah. But I I prefer the stuff with Dwayne. So yeah, limited years, but uh, impactful. Yeah, for sure. Again, music that we hope to hear on here. So I'm sure we will. I mean, we're, I would expect Fillmore East would be probably maybe a top hundred. I would hope so too. Love that disc. But um, but listen, everybody, go out if you're into vinyl. Um, you know, go out and and support your local record. Get there store. early. Limited yeah. copies available, and it's most nice of and the big ones. And it's nice and chilly for us tomorrow morning. Yeah, was it going to be 26 tomorrow here in Des Moines, it, Iowa? Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. That's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> really really great well what do you say you want to jump let's get into it yeah let's do it so last week we went through 500 through 496 so today we're picking things back up at 495 um this one might be a surprise for some people we'll see uh at coming in at number 495 is boys to men's two on motown records from 1991 the year i was born actually side note another good year (laughs) as rolling stone describes it with their innocent romanticism and meticulous vocal arrangements, Boys to Men became the most commercially successful R&B vocal group of all time. Two includes two mammoth hits, courtesy of Babyface, I'll Make Love to You, and the audaciously Baroque Water Runs Dry. But the group's own Nathan Morris and Sean Stockman composed Two's most poignant moment, Khalil's interlude, a soft onslaught that'll leave you sobbing in the fetal position. I need shelter from the rain. In quotes, I need shelter from the rain to ease the pain of changing from boys to men. So, yeah. <laughs> that was a sad one. I read a little bit about the the story there, which was that their road manager was shot outside of a show. Did you end up reading about that at all? Fuck. So that's what Khalil. Jesus, man, now I feel like a real fucking <laughs> asshole for making that shitty sound. So that's what Khalil's interlude. Uh. It, that was kind of a, as it says, a poignant moment. It was about, it was about them kind of coming to grips with. Uh, I, I think that their road manager Khalil was it was kind of a, you know, a figure in their lives and sure. helping them along and yeah. how to navigate, you know, the instant popularity that they experienced. So that's I mean, I honestly, because I, this is okay. So for me, you know, we discussed on the last episode that neither one of us are necessarily lyrics first kind of guys, but there's, there's some music that just lends itself to being able to pay closer attention to the lyrics and there's other music that's not. And this is one of those albums. And so, and there were some, a couple of the albums from this week where actually I found myself paying way more attention than I normally would in general to the lyrics. So I'm excited to talk about that a little bit. But a hundred percent. So what'd you think about this record? Um, listen, super talented guys. I mean, really yeah. super super talented guys. If I was gonna make a generic statement about the bot, the entire body of work, and and I'll talk about this relative to another album that we're going to talk about later today. But for me, what I really wanted is I wanted most of these songs to go from five, five and a half and six minute takes to three to three and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. I get that. 
So the most powerful song on here to me is the one that everybody knows, right? The flashback to winter formal of my junior year <laughs> slash um, winter formal of my senior year and then prom of my senior year. And that's I Will Make Love to You. That's the instantly recognizable song on this album. <laughs> um, and and that song, it's only three, I think it's three minutes and 31 seconds. There's none of this really superfluous scatting and vocal gymnastics right it was we, to the point yeah it's it, it was concise and and i don't know if that's because they knew that that was going to be the hit the single yeah it could have been you know but but yeah i agree with you on in terms of the song length i actually wrote down that some of the songs were unnecessarily long in my opinion but that's just my opinion but so we're on the same page there yeah but I mean, the runs themselves that created the length to all of these songs, they're re listen, they're really, really talented. Oh, superbly. And for me, the the biggest highlight was the background vocals, actually. I mean, I liked the, the, the whoever was singing lead. I don't know if it was one guy. Is it? I think it's two different guys that do that, the main lead, that primarily do the main leads. And it was just the harmonies for me. We're just out of this world. And, uh, yeah, that was like I couldn't even really focus on the main the main vocalist as much because I was so sidetracked by just like listening to the the layers and just the beautiful harmonies. And this was a record I didn't really listen to because uh, I was born the year this record came out. <laughs> so, th in terms of this style of music, the the kind of stuff I listened that I was you know exposed to when I was at the the age that people listen to this kind of stuff were well i don't know what that means but uh were uh <laughs> was like nsync and and backstreet boys and backstreet which boys. were obviously heavily influenced by these guys yeah but honestly and maybe some of those albums appear and so we can give it a fair you know more of a fair shake if you will but for me those bands that came later which i listen i really didn't pay attention to any of this um i obviously i knew boys to men because of the commercial success that they had yeah but when it comes to the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and all those folks, I maybe I'm making something up here, but I believe that these harmonies are probably far more complex. Oh, I would agree with you. Than the 100%. harmonies of those later groups. And one of the things that stood out to me here, and um, the first track, Thank You, had this, where in different sections of the song, they were really highlighting the different vocal ranges right yeah because because this is a group that's really comprised of kind of two leads or i don't know what you would call them altos or sopranos yeah and then you have kind of a tenor in there but then you have a legit bass bass man yeah <laughs> and they Which he was just the source of endless laughter for me throughout, <laughs> throughout the i mean just those like those those low lines that he hey, baby. On, baby we're gonna lay down on that you know <laughs> especially during like i'll make love to you it was just I almost thought, and I didn't really, I maybe heard the song a couple of times being that it was hugely successful, but I wasn't like, I didn't know it very well. And so when I was listening to this, I was, I, I was thinking like, it almost sounds like an Adam Sandler song. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's like borderline parody. Like it was, it was so raunchy, especially towards the end when they, when they kept like saying those lines. Yes. I was like, you could, this would require very little tweaking and it could be like a lonely, like a lonely Island <laughs> release. You know, They're two phrases away from having their dick in a box. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I I did appreciate the fact though that they took a couple of different songs and they didn't just hide that dude in harmonies. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you have to have that guy in order to create such rich harmonies yeah. throughout this entire record. That full spectrum sound. Yes, yeah. and it's and it's very much there, but to let that guy kind of break out and do his thing every once in a while <laughs> and have it be more than just oh baby yeah. type of thing. And I enjoyed it. I didn't dislike it, but it was just I couldn't not laugh a little bit. And he was, <laughs> but the th and he was singing though. Yeah, no, he's a good singer. Yeah. They're, they're all good. I mean. They're yeah. all fantastic vocalists. There's no, not, there's no denying that. No, absolutely. Um, okay, so a couple of questions. I mean, what else you got? You got anything else on this thing? The lyrics were kind of annoying to me for the most part. It was just a little whiny all throughout, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, most of it was, like, them complaining about some girl that left or something, from what I could tell. I mean, I wasn't, I was, wasn't paying too much attention to the vocals because, like I said, the background vocals and the harmonies were just, the highlight for me, but mm -hmm. it just sounded a little bitchy, you know, throughout and I, almost like su supplicative. I don't know if I'm saying that right. <laughs> <laughs> the three. The, so yeah, listen, I'm not going to disagree with you. Yeah. Right. And, and, and then you add that with the song length. Yeah. It's, 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 it's off putting, for you know, sure. for me, it was like, I would have enjoyed this a lot more if, Listen, every song over five minutes, let's leave some of that on on the editing room floor, you know? Um, and then I would probably enjoy this a lot more. Yeah. But I will say this, because this is vintage of 1991, one of the things that you can't avoid whenever you listen to, um, you know, any of this like R&B or Neo R&B, as I think Apple Music calls it, Neo R&B, you get, yeah. and you even get it in hip hop too. And that's the synth that goes into a bass drop. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. It was a poor representation mm. and I apologize. Yeah. But I that, know what you're saying though. It wasn't bad at all. Into yeah. a bass drop. That might be one of my favorite sounds because it's one of those things that just instantly transports me back to, oh shit. Yeah. I know this. Yeah. <laughs> I know where this is going. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's actually one more thing I definitely want to mention. Oh. I don't know how I didn't mention it yet, but was the yesterday cover at the end of the record. That was mind blowing. And I was surprised by that. I was totally caught off guard. Did not realize that was on there. Assumed it was just a, you know, the same title, but not the Beatles song. And when it came on, I was stoked right away and it was fantastic. So that was the highlight for me was definitely, it was fully acapella, I believe. Yes. So like no the, beats, no drums, at all. those four yeah. dudes. And so listen to that for sure. Cause yeah. I love that. Yeah. At the same time, I'm not going to lie. Um, it was cool when, cause I did the same thing. I just assumed that it was a song that those dudes wrote and they just happened to use the same name that the Beatles song is. Right. And so then Pretty when it got into title. it, I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. This is cool. Um, and then I thought to myself, you know, how many times have I heard a band cover? Hey Jude. And every time they do it, I'm just like, you fucking assholes. Yeah. Please stop. You know, like, yeah. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sing you. along to your shitty chorus. Fuck you. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You know, um, but I, but listen, this was a, it was an interesting take. You know, it was an interesting yeah. take. I actually liked it. I would recommend listening to it. Yeah. But what okay, do you think? So, Should we move on? Well, what are we going to say? Real quick. So with this album, like a couple of questions that I think are worthwhile to ask, um, on your, in your digital music collection, 
Did you add this album to your digital music collection? No. No. I did not. Did you? No desire to. Not a strong desire. Maybe I would add the Yesterday cover because I really did like that, but I didn't. No, and and I didn't either. And, and honestly, before we go on to the next question, so it was recommended from one of our listeners. This was like a listener recommendation of... You know, JB and I are both obviously into music, but nowadays there's really multiple ways to collect music, right? There's the easy way of adding it to your digital library, which, you know, maybe a lot of people do that. And I used to, I used to constantly do that, but now on my phone, like just searching through the music on my phone, it's turned into kind of a nightmare where I'm like, why the fuck is this on my phone? Because it's so easy to do. Exactly. And it is no commitment required. So it just, it just stacks up. Yeah, exactly. So what we want to do with each one of these albums is ask that question, right? Would you add this to your digital music library, which is no commitment. You don't have to worry about anything. Don't mind that popping noise. That's (laughs) just, that's just another victim of our white claw affliction at this show we're sick yeah send help (laughs) we have problems um so you know do you want to add it to your digital library which is almost no monetary commitment beyond that which you're already paying for your digital music service outside of just cluttering up your library and then twofold the next part of this question and i guess i should answer it no i didn't add it to my library right um it's again there might be some songs that i would go back and re-listen but i don't I wouldn't. I would not choose this to clutter up my it's phone. Not going in rotation. Yeah, because yeah. it's because my phone's already a disaster. But then and the then second question, level. yeah. So JB and I are both collectors of vinyl music as well, which is a much. <laughs> that's a radically different commitment. Yeah, when, I mean, you're spending at least twenty dollars for a record. You know, especially if you're getting a new copy, maybe less used. But uh, it's definitely it's going to take up space on your shelf. Yeah, you know, it's it's money in and uh far more money so because 20 i mean listen you don't find a ton of records for 20 bucks yeah you know a lot a lot of records if they end up printing you know if they end up pressing them with 180 grams you might end up with two platters and then you're 29 39 bucks really easy so easy so you have to like a record a lot to add it to your vinyl collection is what we're getting at (laughs) yes and be willing to listen be willing to go out of the way to find a record store to find a somebody that's got the damn thing and then buy it and then takes up space in your house i already know the answer to this question but go ahead i'm assuming you're not going to seek out this vinyl yeah i'm not going to be doing the vinyl or the digital um library but i did respect it and i i'm glad i listened to it because i had never really listened through to this band and i didn't really know what to expect i mean i figured it was just some kind of super cheeseball boy band from the 90s and there were elements of that but there was also some serious some serious real music going on and i did write down that i wish some i wish modern pop music was like this harmonically complex because there was actually some interesting chord progressions going on there was interesting instrumentation but above all the the vocal harmonies were just were top notch so i would i respect it and i would listen to it again but it's not going in regular rotation for me yeah same Samesies here. Like, I'm not going to add it to my digital library. I'm not going to seek out this vinyl. Um, even if they come out with some crazy, um, I don't know, um, Khalil's interlude clear pressing for Record Store Day 2021. I'm out. I'm, I'm not going to spend the uh, money it on sounds it. Sounds tempting, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and the other question we're going to answer each album is whether we, each of us, think it's on or off the list, the being the list of 500. So what do you think, Mike? Is it off or is it on? I mean, we're still we're still really really tall at the top of this list. Um, I mean, for me, I'm probably not going to keep it. No. Same, I'm not going to put it on the list. 
Yeah. There's just so many records that I can think of that probably aren't on the list that I would rather have on it. So for me, yeah. but again, this just reflects our personal opinion. And, it does. You know, yeah. Now, also, this record did make me think of, and then we got to move on because otherwise we're going to be talking about boys men for the next two hours of our life. Um, <laughs> this record did make me think about En Vogue. Yeah. Basically, the girl group version of this, yeah, only infinitely more enjoyable, in my opinion. Yeah, I could see and, that. and that's a record that I do anticipate seeing deeper on this list. And that's a record that I would keep on the list because I like that to me is a better representation of what was trying to take place within this sound and this type of music. Yeah, so. I get that. So on to Boys to Men's next record. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 494 is up next, and 494 is an album by the Ronettes entitled Presenting the Fabulous Ronettes, which was uh, released in 1964. As described by Rolling Stone, more a Spanish Harlem street gang than a girl group, the Ronettes were pop goddesses dressed as Catholic schoolgirls gone to hell and back. This already sounds decent. Phil Spector builds his wall of sound as his teen protege and future wife, Ronnie Spector, belts Be My Baby and Walking in the Rain, while songs like I Wonder and Baby I Love You ache with hope for a perfect love that always seems to be impossibly ideal and just within arm's reach. Yep. Um, I had heard two songs off this record before, and that was it. So, And I, I'm glad I listened to it because there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, Veronica, which is like, from what I take it, the the front girl of the Runettes. Yes. That, would, you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, all siblings, but or not siblings. Um, two of them were sisters. The other one was a cousin, though. So all oh, related family. Yeah, related family. I liked her voice a lot. I thought she was a great, a great front person. Um, she had this like kind of nasal quality to her voice that sometimes I think is annoying when I, when people have a nasal quality. But I didn't think that about her at all. Mm. I, I liked it a lot. It was a certain like warmth. Yeah. And maybe nasal's not the right word, but that's the best word I could think of at the time. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I understand mm -hmm. why you're using that phrase. To me, this album this album was this album was fine. Um the weird part for me is the highlight on this album was what the hell one was it? One of these songs was live. Um and what did I uh what I'd say was maybe like the fifth or sixth track on the album and it's very clearly recorded live at a show i mean you can hear yeah not only the subtraction of the wall of sound but you can hear ambient crowd noise you can hear live instrumentation i want to say that there was a sax and maybe a trumpet or a trombone i don't remember what the other horn was yeah and then you know the performing rhythm section and unequivocally I enjoyed that track more than I enjoyed all of the other ones for the most part, because to me, when you got those women doing what they were doing vocally, but then you added in the other live instrumentation there, right? So when the and girls- the crowd. Yes. And know, the to feed into the energy. Yeah. But especially the horns. And listen, we said it last show, I'm going to say this probably a thousand more times. I'm a sucker for horns to begin with, but- let it be known. Mike is a sucker for horns. <laughs> but when you had those girls singing and then you kind of had that breakdown where you had the instrumentation solos and a really, really tight, tight rhythm section, it brought a life to the music that clearly Spectre was trying to do with the whole kind of nascent wall of sound stuff. And, and I don't know if you dug into this. I didn't dig into this or not. I'm assuming that this album is on here 
maybe because this is the first time that 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 Spectre is doing this. I didn't dig too far into that. Um, so w- I should have read about this, but what exactly does he? What does it mean by the wall of sound? So all of the layers upon layers upon layers of sometimes it sounds like orchestral strings. Sometimes it sounds almost big band in nature. Um, all of that kind of background that you hear behind the women and behind the rhythm section. Okay. So it's like a recording technique, essentially. Basically, yeah. Gotcha. Or think production technique. Yeah, think let it be. Yeah. Right. Definitely. If you've heard Let It Be Naked and then you've heard the original recording of Let It Be, where, you know, you get all of this added in my mind all of this added noise right and it's in a good way no no for me no i i much prefer the stripped down version of let it be they called it let it be naked where they took all of that dog shit out and they just left the vocals the bass the guitars and the drums yeah interesting yeah and the piano in the piano and let it be yeah um but just the instrumentation from the beatles and what they did and they stripped out all of that post-production work that Spectre put on the original. I've not, I've not heard this, let it be naked. I'll have to check this out. Yeah, you do. Yeah. But back to this, yeah. you know, back again, like I'm, I'm looking at this and, and that's kind of the only thing I can come up with was maybe this was one of his early attempts at creating that really big fullness of sound that became known as the wall of sound. And maybe that's why they threw it on here. So maybe, that has to do with what I noticed was just that the whole record was just dripping in reverb. Did you notice that? A hundred percent. It was just like, it was, I mean, it was kind of cool, but it was mm-hmm. almost like, oh, we just discovered this shit. This, this <laughs> reverb, like, this sounds fucking sweet. We're going to put it on every single track and we're just going to like saturate the shit out of it with reverb. That'll um, end up being our fifth podcast. Once I figure out what the fuck is happening with GarageBand, I'll be like, oh, look at this button, JB. <laughs> we can add a reverb to the whole podcast. Sound like we're in a yeah massive auditorium. But uh, so that was that's what struck me. Maybe that's an aspect of the wall of sound is just the reverb. Because now that you explain that, that totally makes sense. And it, the way it all kind of blends together and just, yeah. I mean, the word wall of sound pretty much sums it up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I liked, uh, settled on that. I liked the What I Say track a lot. Are you sure? Was that actually live? Because I was, I was, I, I wrote down, is it actually live with a question mark or was it, you know, simulated live? I, I literally did the same thing. Did you really? <laughs> I wrote, is this from a live recording question mark? Yeah. Um, and then I said, I'm not 100% sure, but the energy in the house, the combination of the energy and the horns, that sealed it. You know, now granted, yeah. I don't think Be My Baby had come up yet. And when I saw the title Be My Baby in the description, I was like, fuck, I don't know that song until it played. And then I'm like, yeah, fuck, I've heard this song a thousand times as a little kid riding around in the car with my mom who listened to fucking, you know, moldy oldies. Like, Be not baby. exclusively. I'm sorry, mom. Like, <laughs> you didn't only listen to that, but a lot. Be My Baby definitely has a very catchy chorus. There's yeah. no denying that. And yeah. actually, um, I wrote down just a note that is Be My Baby is there's another list of Rolling Stones best 500 songs of all time and that's number 22 Fuck be my you. baby i'm serious no, 22 out of 500 best songs of all time rolling stones well that's, i'm gonna i'm gonna go out on a pretty thick branch here and say 
That list fucking blows. <laughs> As all <laughs> lists suck, that list probably fucking sucks too. Man, 22. That's that's high. That's really high. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. I mean, I, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day we'll get to that list and we can kind of tear it apart too. Yeah. That, that would be kind of a fun list because you could probably do like 20 songs in a show. Easy, yeah. Or <laughs> just, even more, you know. Yeah, like, you got to think about it. We're doing at it. least 50 songs. Every show right every now. Every show right now, so... Yeah. But, We'd get through that one a lot faster, but that's for future episodes. So yeah, so um, and then Chapel of Love, right? You that recognize was the that other, song. That, that so at the beginning of this, I said I recognized two songs. It was "Be My Baby" and "Chapel of Love." Definitely know that one. That one's worth listening to if you're not familiar with it. I bet you'll recognize it. Okay, of course, um, and that's a fun. Chapel of Love is a really fun song. Yeah, and it know? has this cool. Um, the lead vocal there were like there was like a double track on it, and I, it sounded to me like it was actually two different singers singing the same lead singing track same. or at least the same um maybe it was veronica but she recorded two different vote like it wasn't like it was a chorus effect it was like two different there was two different tracks singing the same unison line yes and i thought that was kind of it definitely worked on chapel of love absolutely absolutely and i mean listen that's a, it's a it's a great fun song that instantly recognizable very similar to, to be my baby and be my baby is one of those songs that I feel like has been used in a lot of movies. Yeah. That I saw growing up, you know, it's maybe it, even Chapel of Love too, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. I mean it or probably not, someone should. Somebody should. Probably not as used, right? Yeah. Not as ubiquitous as what you can get with Be My Baby, but um but It's yeah. not number twenty two on the best songs of all time. Fuck no, it's not. Not that poor damn Chapel of Love. <laughs> Anything else? I think that's all I have to say about the Ronettes. Yeah, I think now. so too. There, I, well, I will say this: if you've never dug into the story of Ronnie Spector and what she went through being married to Phil Spector, and maybe you listen to this album and you think, "What the hell happened to this woman? Why didn't she record any music?" That's a rabbit hole we're digging into because this this poor woman at one point in time was basically a captor or a captive prisoner in Phil Spector's house. And the most intriguing thing what? that I read was that at one point in time, she was asking him to leave the house and he said, no, you're not going to leave this house. And at one point in time, he installed a gold coffin in the basement of his house in LA, which he took her down to. And he said, if you ever fucking leave this house, I'm going to murder you and put you in this coffin. That's nuts. I didn't read anything about that at all. It's a rabbit hole. He's got a lot of stuff on this list too. So. It's it's a rabbit hole we're digging we into. We haven't canceled Phil Spector yet. Well, oh shit! You and I haven't canceled <laughs> Phil Spector. I'm sure. <laughs> trust me when I say that Veronica Spector has fucking 100 percent canceled <laughs> Phil Spector. I can say that it's um it's a really listen it's it's really tragic, but at the same time it's kind of fascinating because at least Ronnie made it out alive. She she did finally escape, remarried, moved to I think Connecticut or something. So, so apparently Be My Baby was on Dirty Dancing. Ah. We got some listener input just now. Thank that. you. So, thank you Interwebs. Yeah. <laughs> thank Absolutely. you Interwebs. Yeah. Um one more thing I this yeah. is not really an important note, but I just randomly occurred to me is that this record is called Presenting the Fabulous Ronettes, but apparently it was the only one ever released. So, yes. obviously things didn't work out. They, they, didn't, they did not work out the but way they that still the landed were on the 500 best records of all time. So that's something. Yeah, absolutely something. Um, I did not add this to my 
digital library, nor would I seek this out. I, well, you know what? I will say this. If, um, if I ever see a 45 of Be My Baby, and if it was a 45 of Be My Baby with Chapel of Love on the other side, I'm all in. See, I was going to say something similar to that, which is that I'm not going to really listen to this one a lot, but maybe it's just the fact that it's an old record, but it's I think it would be suited well to, to listen on vinyl. And if I was to come across it for $5 in a record shop, I would buy it. Yeah. So yeah. Um, in, or, in or out in terms of the list. I'm I'm willing to I'm willing to keep it in and I'm probably willing to keep it in and about this place because again for me the only thing that makes sense here is that this had to have been one of the early iterations of what Spectre really became known for with that layering and, and yeah. with that wall of sound creation. And um listen, it's not my thing. I don't uh, I don't enjoy it, but I understand I understand the role that it played, especially when it comes to just engineering albums and whatnot. And so, I'm and just being as early as it was, I could, you can see all the influence it, it certainly had. So, I mean, that's the other argument is there's definitely a lot of these records that are on here because of the influence yeah. that they, you know, produced, I guess. So, based on that argument, I'd say keep it as well. Yeah. And I hate and I hate the idea of saying that an album is only here because it created yeah, that's, that influence. That's the thing is I can't decide. You know, we're, we're kind of. But but if we're gonna have an album like that, that's purely here because of influence, four ninety four. I'm okay with. Four ninety four is a good spot for the influencers. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's exactly right. Okay, four ninety three. This one we've been excited to talk about. hundred so, percent. This is Marvin Gaye. Here, my dear, uh, Motown and Tomla. 1978 so get a load of this description <laughs> it's one of the weirdest motown records ever marvin gaye's divorce settlement required him to make two new albums and pay the royalties to his ex-wife the sister of motown boss barry cordy so gaye made this bitterly funny double lp of breakup songs including you can leave but it's going to cost you <laughs> <laughs> when he asked somebody tell me tell me please why do i have to pay attorney fees and actually i wrote that record down or i wrote that lyric down on my page too uh, when he asked that it's one of the most strangely transfixing soul music moments of all time i love this record because it seemed like marvin Gaye was just totally fucking around and it was just like he wasn't even taking it seriously he was just like i gotta make these records but still it was just fantastic it was just top-notch like soul funk 70s stuff and he wasn't even trying almost maybe he was trying but he came across in that he wasn't even taking it seriously okay so i had absolute negative professionalism <laughs> when you were trying to read that because the description you know i read this description before i listened to the album clearly and so i was <laughs> i it you can't help but be intrigued when you hear why this record was made or at least some of that background and so uh, I was super excited about it. I listened to this record three times. And three times. That's a long record, too. It's, it's a really long an hour record. hour and a half. We were talking earlier. Yeah, and uh, and it is a long record. But, but for me, and again, this is like my blanket comment for this whole thing, um, is that on that Boys to Men record, multiple songs, you know, four and a half to six and a half minutes that I wanted to see those things cut in half, this record is an hour and a half because a ton of these songs are pushing 
that five and a half, six, six and a half, seven minute mark. Agreed. But I want more. But I, I was going to say I wasn't I getting tired of it. More. You know? And the difference for me was this. You had Marvin Gaye doing the Marvin Gaye thing. And what I mean by that is that man's voice is impeccable. It, it's amazing. Yeah. It's a really, really incredible voice. I wouldn't call it. It's not falsetto. It, he just at has, times falsetto. You think yeah, so? I think there were yeah, definitely times of it. But he has this this quality that he's like dancing on the line of falsetto. You know, like when you raise your voice slowly, you can actually hit that line where your yes. voice turns to falsetto. It's almost like he's dancing on that line intentionally. It's one, but it's, better than any of us can. It's, <laughs> it's um, and everybody knows it because everybody has heard um, you know what's going on and 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 and. Uh, I've been feeling fine. What is it called? Um, I wrote it down. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Um, I do, but everybody. Let's get it on. Yeah, let's yeah, get it on. Everybody knows, you know, everybody knows those, the range that Marvin Gaye has. And you get that in this album and you get that in those six minute cuts. But on Boys to Men, the, the back three minutes of those six minute cuts were kind of nonstop vocal runs. Yeah. Which just made me think about the days when I used to watch American Idol and Randy Jackson would go, damn dog, take it easy. You know, you don't, you don't need to do that dog. And that's kind of what I thought when I was listening to boys to men. But when I hear Marvin Gaye do his thing where he really demonstrates this amazing range, it's great. But then the back half of these six minute songs, were not Marvin Gaye playing vocal gymnastics and no. running up and down scales it was musicians. And it was him letting his band stretch out, you know, is what it is. And yeah. unbelievable musicians. Yeah. And, and and when I dug into this album, one of the things that I read was that they had fully intended to bring in a studio pianist to record all the piano lines. But because of the way that the recording went, um, they actually, uh, Marvin tracked all the piano, right. all the roads, all the roads, bass lines. And instead of bringing in a studio musician to go over the top of them, they were like, Fuck, this is really good. I didn't Fuck know it. he did the Rhodes bass lines. Yeah, he did. He played the Rhodes bass machine as well. So wow. um, I yeah. loved that, though. I, I totally agree. Yeah, the songs were, they're groove songs. You know, like, it's not about a hook necessarily. You know what I mean? Like, th there are hooks there, I guess, maybe. But it's just about Marvin's voice and just the groove of it. There's just an unmistakable vibe. Like, you know when you're listening to a Marvin Gaye song. And like I, I kind of wrote down like maybe you could confuse it for like Curtis Mayfield or something. I don't know. Do you see comparisons there? No, to me, uh, it's totally different. To me, Marvin Gaye is. To me, Marvin Gaye is his own. I agree. He's his own genre. But I just mean I don't even mean the voice. Oh, Although just I think the there are the, some similarities in the voice, but I mean the overall sound and the feel, song and the feel of it. Like maybe it's kind of I, I, maybe would mistake it for Curtis Mayfield. But otherwise, if I hear a Marvin Gaye song, I'm going to think, oh, I don't even have to hear him sing. I know that's Marvin Gaye. You know? Yes. Yeah, 100%. And um, and just the, um, I mean, we've read, you know, Rolling Stone references some of these lines in here. Uh, but when you just look at the track listing for this album, it's, I mean, it's wild. Yeah. It's really fucking wild because a lot of these, I mean, listen, almost every song with the lone exception of, Funky Space Reincarnation. That's what I was going to ask you about, actually. I, listen, I fucking loved Funky Space What do you think that's about? Because I, I almost took it as, like, he was reimagining his relationship, but in, it worked out, and it was in space. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
So to so this was actually the first single released on the album. Really? That's surprising because it was kind of long. Yeah, but there were eight minutes. I think that there were only two singles released on this album, and this one was the first one. And so the way that I read that song was maybe he had tracked everything else and he took it and he took it to the label, and the label said, Marvin, can you fucking record something that we can play on the radio? (laughs) Because nothing else. We can't talk about why you have to pay attorney fees (laughs) on the radio. I mean, listen. I think I think it's the fourth track is just called "Anger." And yeah, that one actually th- that was one of the singles, wasn't it? Um, yeah, that may have been the second. That single may have been the second single. We're not one hundred percent. Don't quote us on that. But yeah, please don't. Um, that sounded right. But that but Funky Space Reincarnation was was also the only song basically where he doesn't reference Anna in some capacity. Yeah, and he doesn't really talk about it. But I assume that's what he was talking about. And it almost seemed like it was just some kind of psychedelic reimagining of his relationship in a world where it worked out and was taking place in outer space. Yes. Uh, (laughs) There was a line on that song that I just, I wrote down because I loved it so much. It was, you and me going to be getting down on a space bed. Listen, this song was, dude, it's super funky, right? It's just kind of like, it's just a good old funky jam. Yeah. Really good. Mm-hmm. Loved it, loved it, loved it. That song in particular, or just the whole record? You mean? Well, listen, I love the whole record, and my love for the record probably comes from a combination of you know, I I I actually listened to these in order this week, and so I had already listened to Boys to Men, and I and I had that criticism of Boys to Men, and so then when I got to this, um, you know, the length was one thing, and I knew the length going into it, but I loved it, right? Yeah. I loved all of it. Just every bit of it. And then when you add the backstory to this, it's just record, so funny. Yeah. And there were, it's unbelievable. Just even talking about the backstory, there were a couple other lines I wrote down that I just thought were hilarious <laughs> that I have to even, uh, from, is that enough? That was the line where, um, he's the, where he said, why do I have to pay attorney fees? Um, but he also said, um, what do I do? The judge say. The judge say she got to keep living the way she accustomed to. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I picked that line out too. And then he said, "This is a joke. I need a smoke." <laughs> <laughs> so I love that so much. I mean, it's it's hard because listen, there's definitely some songs on here where where he's wrestling with the reality of his marriage ending. Right. And this is in a lot of ways, um, you know, you think about an album like Sea Change from Beck, right, which they call Beck's breakup album. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard it called that. But but to me, this is the fucking greatest breakup album of all time. Yeah. And you you probably couldn't even call it that. You'd probably have to call it the greatest divorce album. Yeah. I wrote the sexiest album ever made about divorce. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what it is. Um. I'm a hundred percent. I'm keeping it though. Oh yeah. For me, I would buy this on vinyl for sure. Yeah. I came across it and, um, uh, if I came across it and it's staying on the list. Yeah. So staying on the list and, and I, I added it to my digital catalog too. And yeah, I'm this with is you. Just, we're all in on this one. <laughs> Dude, a hundred percent. And listen, if you, it, it is a time commitment, right? It's a time commitment, yeah. but it's one that, you know, hopefully now that you know the backstory behind it, you can listen to it and, I don't, I don't want to say, I don't want to say that you find it humorous 
Because it's not. It's not humorous. This is a musical diary of a man's divorce. Yeah. And, I mean, that's that, that was what I liked about it was it seemed mature in the way he was handling it. What did you think of the tone? Like, for me, it was it was at times, like, vindictive, but at other times it was almost like, like it was a cathartic thing for him. And at other times it was like he was intentionally trying to be funny, which I think was probably true. Um. Okay, so the humor, I never necessarily, um, I ne- I didn't necessarily read that as humor. I probably read that more as indignation, right? Yeah. The stuff that came off as really funny, to me, that was him. Well, okay, let me back up. This whole album to me is therapy. Yeah. Right? This yeah. guy is a supremely talented artist, and the way that he dealt with his divorce, in addition to just doing what the judge said that he had to do, <laughs> had to pay her, yeah. which was make two albums and give your wife 50% of the royalties. That's why this album and the subsequent album after that were made. Um, but this was also a chance for him to just kind of exercise demons. And so you're you're absolutely right. You know, there's some parts of this that's that's really angry. I don't remember which song it was, but one song is literally him singing to her don't you remember the vows you took you know yeah we promised to love each other forever and cherish each other forever what the sure fuck happened to that then. right yeah. i mean he didn't he doesn't curse in it but i mean you get the idea you know and so and so to me this is this is a supremely talented musician you know doing self-help therapy i think that one out. that he said that that talking about the vows was the first iteration of when did you stop loving me? When did I stop loving you? Which is like a recurring theme throughout the the record. There's like two reprises of that yes, song. Yes, a hundred percent. And uh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, he said um, he's he said the thing about the vows, and he basically said that she lied to God. <laughs> That's what yes. he said. <laughs> yes, I mean it's, it's there's there's plenty of anger as, on this he, album. It is harsh. As, yeah. As you can imagine, when you're going through a divorce, but um, but I can't I can't recommend it enough. Out of the out of the five albums on here, this is definitely my most highly recommended, and I will probably shock you with my most second recommended. But we're not there yet. So to me, it was oh, I think I know what your second most recommended is going to mm. be. To me, it was between this one and our next one. So yeah. maybe maybe you want to introduce our next one here, Mike. So four ninety two, four ninety two. We have Miss One, Miss Bonnie Raitt. The album is entitled Nick of Time. It was recorded in 1989 on Capitol Records. And Rolling Stone says, after being dumped by her previous label, blues rocker Bonnie Raitt exacted revenge with this multi-platinum Grammy Award winner, led by an on-fire version of John Hyatt's Thing Called Love and the brilliant title track, a study in midlife crisis told from a woman's perspective. Producer Don Was helped her sharpen the songs without sacrificing any of her slide guitar fire, and as Raitt herself pointed out, her 10th try was, quote, my first sober album, end quote. Yeah. So for me, I have always had a certain respect for Bonnie Raitt, but I mean, I should be kicking myself in the ass because I've never really delved into her stuff. It's like I've I've known who she was and listened to her big ones that were, I mean, obviously everybody knows the Angel from Montgomery cover by mm-hmm. Bonnie Raitt was, is, is a huge deal. but Something were, to talk about. You know, yeah. yeah. But there were just... I mean, I had this respect for this reverence for her already, but without even really having delved into her stuff. And this, she was even more multidimensional than I realized. I mean, just the even just the styles of music on this record. I mean, there was there was a lot going on. There was it jumps obvi- all over the place, right? Yeah, I mean, there was the 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 heart of it was like the gritty 
blues Americana kind of sound for sure. But I mean, there was like a reggae song on it. Do you remember that? <laughs> Which one was that? Have a heart. It was almost like a reggae tune. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was like a reggae drum beat. And yeah, I mean, maybe I'm, that that was how I kind of took that. It was a very reggae feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some jazz. There was some like gospel feel stuff going on. It was just even more dimensional than I even realized about her. What do you think about... Um, so, and I don't know that this is true. This is definitely not true, but this album really made me think about this question. What do you think about an artist that predominantly sings other people's songs? Predominantly? Yeah. Do you know how many songs on this album were written by Bonnie Raitt? I don't. Was it a low number? Two. Is that right? Holy cow. 11 tracks. Well, I guess you could say that's probably the case for most uh, pop musicians these days. 100%. You know I mean? I mean, I, I can, the only pop musician that I can think of that, that I pretty certain legitimately writes or co-writes almost all of her songs is Taylor Swift that I can think of. Yeah, Lady Gaga too. I think uh, she writes uh, a lot of her my stuff. My bad. Yeah, uh, I got mad props for Lady Gaga too. For sure. So, yeah, um, I'm sure we'll see some of her. Um, that's kind of a bummer, though. I didn't realize that. I regret not looking into that. Yeah, it's only it, two original songs on this record. I mean, only two that she has writing credits on. Interesting. Yeah. You know, and and I and I know that this is um, like that is. Like we just talked about, it's really common in pop music. It's also really common in country music. I think it's probably most commonplace maybe in country music, even more so than pop music. But it, it, it listen, it, I don't, I don't want to take away anything from Bonnie Raitt. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I'm not going to, like, I still love the record. And I just think that there was this overarching purity to this record. It just, it just, that's the best. I literally wrote that down because I couldn't think of what else, how else to describe it. It was just some unspeakable quality. It was just a pure sound. It was, there was nothing superfluous going on. It was just Bonnie Raitt and her band and, yeah. and she was singing the songs and she was just laying herself all out there. Nothing was faked. It was all genuine. You know, that, that's Which, what stands out to me with her is, yeah. and I don't know if it's just, the tone of her singing voice or there is this kind of this real slight kind of grit yeah. you know that she has definite w- w- at times when she wants it when to she be. wants it yeah. yeah and and to me it creates an authenticity that's really really difficult to um well yeah there's just a certain level of authenticity that you get in her voice that is not common yeah I mean, she got in the studio and did what she what she wanted, and she didn't. There was no. I mean, I would like to think at least like she didn't listen to a lot of input, and she just kind of did <laughs> what she wanted. I mean, it just seemed so. It just seemed so straight and to the point to me, and just the, it was limited instrumentation, really. I mean, mm-hmm. throughout most of it, it was nothing. Everything served the songs. Nothing was that was unneeded was in there at all. You mm-hmm. know. And I, I would have taken more. I would have taken more of the slide guitar. Yeah, I agree. That's one thing I liked about it a lot. With though, was that it was just very tasteful. Like the slide guitar that was in there was, it was subtle and it was nuanced, and I mean it was mostly in the background. It was, rarely was the guitar in the forefront. Yeah, you know, this was not an Almond Brothers record. No, not at all. And there was 
I will be denied. Uh, I will not be denied. Yeah. Um, that was the ninth track on the record that had horns on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and actually, so so with that with that particular song, I wrote, "This is how her voice works best." Yeah. I wrote down that it wants a jam at the end, and I I was envisioning like mm. a Derek trucks coming in and just fucking ripping shit up at the end. That of would that be song. fun, and that would be a have, lot of fun. Yeah, I I agree. So that was what I was thinking. But yeah, um, for me, I like this record a lot, and I would keep it on the list. Um, I'm. I'm kind of t- I'm I'm kind of torn. Um, I, I I didn't I, I I enjoyed the record, you know, and I have a ton of respect of respect for Bonnie Raitt for her career. Um, yeah, for everything she's done, it's hard because I'm not I'm not familiar enough with her back catalog, right? To, so, but there's got to be a Bonnie Raitt record on the list, right? Unequivocally, yeah, yes, and but my problem is I just don't know if it should be this record, if it should be one of the nine that she did before that. I typically really, really like artists when they're on drugs. Yeah, bring <laughs> and on so, the drugs. And yeah. so there's a part of me that kind of wants to go back and listen to some of that early stuff that she did when she admits she did it when she was not sober, and yeah. just see, you know, did it better, worse? What did it do? And then. Um, and then, yeah, so so for me, I want to see Bonnie Raitt represented, but we could get more representation from her down the list that I say, you know what, this is really the quintessential thing. And I don't know that she's an artist that needs multiple entries. Yeah, I agree. But she didn't really achieve commercial success until this record, right? Yeah. Have you Did you read that? Yes. Is that, like, they touch on that a little bit in the, in the um, description here, but... I was reading that like this record was finally a success after years of like both personal and business struggle. Yeah, she yeah. well she had been recording for almost 20 years when this album was done because I want to say her first record was 70 or 71 and this thing comes out in 1989. So she's been doing this for a really really long time and basically she was dropped from her label before she recorded this album because they said, listen, honey, it's not going to work out. Really sorry. Yeah. And so this was basically kind of a second a second chance, last chance type of record. Yeah. And, and maybe it, it worked out. And maybe it was like a fourth, fifth, or sixth chance, last chance record. But yeah, I agree with you. It worked out. It worked out really well. I just, I don't know that I'm ready to commit this particular album on the list. I want to see if we see something else. But at the end of the day, if we get all the way down to number one, and this is the only entry for Bonnie Raitt, then I'm 100% keeping it on the list. I did not add it to my digital library, though. And I don't, I don't think I would buy the physical copy of it either. I would definitely do digital, personally. Yeah. And I'm not going to seek it out on vinyl. So we got to like, it's almost like there's stratification to the vinyl thing. Cause like, <laughs> cause like I would, it, there's a lot of records that I would buy used if they were cheap, which a lot of used records, at, you know, super nice, cheap. you know, hole in the wall record stores, which yeah. tend to be my favorite. Yep. Um, you can find them cheap. So like I would buy it if I found it for $4, you know, but if it was brand new sealed for thirty nine ninety nine, I'm not going to get it. You know, so I'm with you. Listen, I'm with you on that. If yeah. if I came across this now that I've heard it, if I came across this and it was, and it was less than five bucks, yeah, I'll pick it up. Yeah, absolutely. It Keep it. Okay, should we move on? Last one, only one left. Wait, what about the? We we already talked about the list. Never mind. Disregard yeah. me entirely. 
Well, not for the rest of the podcast and before, but for that sentence. Please tune in again to JB right now. I'm live. All right. So uh, the last entry for today, and this one this is kind of a surprising one and highly impressive. So uh, number 491, Harry Styles, 2019, fine line, Columbia Records. Rolling Stone describes it as, Harry Styles achieved pop greatness with one direction, but he got even deeper on his own. On fine line, he stakes his claim as one of his generation's most savagely imaginative musical minds. Styles breathes in the 1970s California sunshine of his heroes, Joni Mitchell, David Bowie, and Stevie Nicks, with soulful breakup songs. As he explained, it's all about having sex and feeling sad. Yet the music is drenched in Starman joy. The shroomadelic guitar trip she, the dulcimer crazed canyon moon. I like that one a lot. The number one juicy fruit beach orgy. <laughs> Watermelon <laughs> sugar. So, I'm guessing this is what you were talking about earlier, Mike, when you said that this was your second favorite record. 100%. Yeah. And, and there's, See, I couldn't decide. I was like, either Mike is going to like this or he's going to fucking hate it. Yeah. It's one of the two. Yeah. And, um, and this one for me, I could easily say that out of the five records that we listened to today, this one might be my favorite. I'm kind wow. of okay with this being in front of Marvin Gaye, not because I think Harry Styles is more musically gifted than Marvin Gaye because I don't and certainly not more influential, but in just no. in terms of the content itself. It was a wildly imaginative and just really, um, it was a great record. Yeah. I, so I don't I know like how else to say it. A lot more than I thought. I didn't, I don't know if I'm as deep into it or as, as into it as you are, but uh, so I, I liked it a lot more than a lot more than I expected. Um, but I also kind of went into it with low expectations. So, oh, sure. <laughs> you know, sure. Um, but you probably did too. Yeah, I mean, listen, I was shocked, right? A, yeah. this album was only released in 2019. And I think, I'm pretty sure it was fairly early in 2019 because last year during the summer, if you managed to not hear Watermelon Sugar <laughs> 35,000 motherfucking times, yeah. then you must have taken a vacation to Antarctica. Yeah, so that's the one song that I knew on this record. Um, that you knew? Or the one song that when it came on, you're like, I don't fucking need to listen to this because I've already heard it 300 times last week. So I don't really listen to the radio. So, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, despite that, I had still, it had still pervaded my life a little bit. Okay. And I had heard it maybe a handful of times, but not, I wasn't, it not wasn't like, overplayed to me. Yeah. It wasn't like a top 40 deal for you. So yeah. I have, um, my youngest is now 10. Yeah. I have Sirius XM in my car. So you're a lot more susceptible <laughs> on the way to school. It is dad. Can we listen to hits one? Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure you don't want to listen to seven, one, 2017 <laughs> a fishes Friday show at Dick's honey? tempting for her i'm sure it's a 22 minute karini watermelon sugar. my young dear <laughs> but <gonna> it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and so especially last year and even right now i mean i've i've literally heard this song riding around with my daughter within the last 10 days played on top 40 radio i believe it yeah. now at the same time the song it's okay so for me watermelon sugar 
I really disliked that song because it got <laughs> murdered on Top 40 Radio. And on top of that, the number one Juicy Fruit Beach Orgy. Listen, I'm not a lyrics guy, but I don't think that he's talking about an orgy. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. And that's just a funny side note is, so I was over at a buddy's house last night and we were, I was telling him about the the records we were going to be reviewing tonight. And he was intrigued by fine line when I described it. So he's like, let's put that on and listen to it. And when watermelon sugar came up, he was like, I cannot listen to this song. Please skip it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think you're alone in that uh, opinion. Now, granted radio is not something that people listen to a ton anymore. I really think it comes down to, you know, have you bought a car recently enough that you don't have to pay for serious? Has your membership expired yet? <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as your membership expires, you're like, fuck, I don't listen to the radio yeah. anymore. Uh, um, $20 a month. <laughs> but so, so, um, watermelon sugar was absolutely crushed, but the song right after watermelon sugar on the record, which is adore you also, um, a huge radio song, but I didn't even know that it was a Harry Styles yeah. was singing it. And I didn't recognize the title of the song, excuse me, because it, it's not one of those lyrically obvious songs. I mean, I take yeah. it back. It is like he says, adore you in it plenty. But enough. there's a couple other things he says that could also be construed as the title, as the title. just as equally. Yeah. yeah. And that song to me, even though it has also been played on the radio a ton, that song hasn't been killed to the point that when it came on, it was really, really, it was a good song, right? It's not been curb stomped yet. No, yeah, not yet. And and I enjoyed it. Um, the thing that um, Cherry is another song that I thought was, um, it was really, really, like it presented his voice in a way that didn't clutter it up with a bunch of other stuff. That was the one with the acoustic like finger style guitar on it. Yes. Yeah, I like that one a lot. And I also wrote, so last week we were talking about how, um, Shakira's record was distracting for Mike because it was in Spanish. And uh, <laughs> we were like, fuck, there's going to be, because I, so I took French in high school. And I was like, there's going to be some goddamn record on this list because this list sucks <laughs> that has uh, French in it. And that song, there was like some girl speaking French. There was some French in it. So I, I know. couldn't think about anything except for that. And I didn't, was not able to translate much. There's I mean, no maybe translation. Maybe two or three words. I heard the word now, which is. Maintenant. But uh, <laughs> that's about it. There, there was one other one, but I can't even remember. So that song had a bit of a Fleetwood Mac vibe for me. At Very least much. the guitar. Did you, do you agree with that? Yes, yeah. I agree. And there were a couple of songs, and I'm trying to think about which ones they are now, just kind of going through uh, my notes. So some things that stood out to me. Canyon Moon, which is deeper in the album. Um, my yeah. note on that was clap tracks make me smile. Really? Yeah, I mean, they do used well. I agree. Yeah. I like Canyon Moon a lot. I even wrote down like it was like I was conceding. I was like, I kind of like this one. I know, <laughs> I know, but that's but that's what happened. You know that the same thing happened to me too. As I would get through a song and I'd make some notes on it, and I'm like, Yeah, <sighs> okay. It had a nice hook, the chorus. The yeah, I'm on the Canyon Moon. But there was also a um, the last track on there, Fine Line, the title track. Um, and 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 I was trying to find the first time that I thought about this. 
Uh, but to me, there were a couple of different instances on this album, Fine Line being the last one, where it evoked images of Bon Iver to me. Like, Big time. I thought about the same thing. Nice. And I actually don't love Bon Iver, personally. I don't either. I so, kind of dislike Bon Iver. Yeah, me too. So I said, I, I, I wrote down, I don't love this vocal style. I think it's like a little overused, stereotypical indie pop vocal style, almost the falsetto type of thing, mm-hmm. like on the like kind of similar to the, what we're talking about with Marvin Gaye, where it's like on the edge, but it's totally different. It's not the same thing. It's at all. not the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so the fine line, the first half of that song I hated, mm-hmm. and the second half I liked because it kind of built up and it, it built, it, it yeah. changed, and the second half was was a lot cooler. Um, there were some like really cool snare drum like runs that came in like marching band style. Yes. Um, that was super cool. And it like was a climactic ending, but the first half of that song was lame. <laughs> Skip it. See, Skip listen, the first I, time. I'm, I'm with you. I'm not, a, I'm not a Bon Iver guy. Like yeah. that's, I'm not into Bon Iver, but I kind of like that thing when other people imitate it. Yeah. So you like Harry sense? Styles doing Bon Iver? I did. Yeah. I did. I liked. I liked his bony bear impression, but the last thing that I want to leave you with, and this was the one that, um, this was the one that really stood out to me, was midway through the album. Um, I just called it Sunflower, and is that the entire uh, Sunflower Volume? Thank you. Six. Yeah, I, think I, I wrote down. Yeah, yeah. I, I and I knew like I just called it Sunflower because I get lazy whenever I'm scribbling my notes. But. So I recognize that one. I think I might have heard that one before. I probably not. Is it not a radio song though? I listen. I've never heard it. If it okay. is, if it is, I I've never I've never been exposed. What to stuck it. out to you about that song? So my note on this, and I think that it stands up, is um, the way that the way that the sounds were layered. And the way that the layering took place over almost bizarrely eclectic instrumentation, Uh it really reminded me of Beatles. It reminded me almost of like a Sgt. Peppers. It it reminded me a lot of a Sgt. Peppers type sound. There were quite a few songs that I thought reminded me of the Beatles. Really? But in a way that that it was not that I thought that... uh, that I was comparing it to the Beatles necessarily, but that you could hear that was one of his biggest influences, I would say. Interesting. And that's it, not even in the list that, that Joni, there that, uh, that, Rolling, Mitchell, Stone that Rolling Stones put together. But I would, uh, and maybe, I would say I heard it quite a bit. I also heard on that song, Queen. Did you hear any of that? Especially during like the, uh, the chorus section with the, uh, with like the, the acapella, vocals yes well the layered acapella vocals yeah right and yeah yeah i can see that and maybe maybe what rolling stone is calling david bowie is what we're hearing as As beatles as beatles could be yeah um and the guitar solo on that that song i remember i wrote that down was really cool it It was was really cool right yeah it was like a cool little thing where he was like doubling up on these on notes and it was it was just unique it was something you don't really hear a whole awful lot and that's what this whole album felt like to me. Yeah. You know, it felt like a series of 90 degree turns. And by the time that I got to the end of the path, I was like, man, I'm, I'm really good. I went down that road. Yeah. So it's good and bad because I agree with that. But I also, the other, the other end of the spectrum for me is that most of these songs were just a simple pop formula of like three fucking chords just yes. repeated over and over again and just lots of production and really, really good production. Don't get me wrong. The production was a highlight. And I if you don't even usually, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, you know, rock band guy. I don't really yeah. love heavily produced records, but 
the production was top notch on this and it was good. It, it, it allowed the three chords progressions to really shine. Um, but at the heart, like, is there really much going on at the heart of a lot of these songs? No, in my opinion. No, no, you know, um, so listen, you're not dealing with you're not dealing with um, crazy time signatures. You're not dealing with really complex chord progressions. You're not dealing. Yeah. I mean, hell, there was maybe only like two or three songs, if that, that even used minor chords. As yeah. Opposed to major and it, it's chords. not even that I want it to be complex at all. It's just that I want it to have some sort of real substance. Um, because these days I think it's really easy to put three chords down on a computer and add so many layers to it that you, then you're like, this is the song I'm releasing it. Yeah. But then if you like strip it all down, like could Harry Styles play all of these songs with just his voice and an acoustic guitar? I think he could play some of them, but I think, I think he, several of them wouldn't hold up. You know what I mean? And it's like 100%. they are dependent on the production. You know what I mean? Yes. And for me... Okay, so like so this is what I'm going to throw out there, and I and I would be fascinated if anything like this ever happened with him. But the last record store day drop to kind of bring this back around to where we started off at. Um, I picked up a Billie Eilish live at Third Man Records, mm -hmm. which was her with somebody playing acoustic guitar, playing the stuff off of her whatever the hell the name of her album is. And how was that? Afraid to go to sleep or whatever. Yeah. Phenomenal. That's interesting. And I like Billie Eilish, so I'm sure see, we're going to see that record on this list. I, I almost guarantee it. Really? You think so? I bet we do. If we have Harry Styles on here, we're going to have Billie Eilish on there. Yeah, I can kind of see that. I'm See, so I did not start off as a Billie Eilish fan. I've seen her live even, and it's wow. It's like, all right, you know, whatever. But that album, it really blew me away. It's really cool. And, th and there's part of me that wants to see Harry Styles do something like that too, just so that way... Because I want him say, to prove he can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and, that's a, and that's exactly right. The <laughs> yeah. proof is in the pudding when it comes to get all of all of that other shit. Yeah. Get it out. Because I'm not even looking for complexity. I'm almost looking for simplicity. Sure. But like substance in simplicity. Like I want it to be a good song just because that's what it, it is. It has a good melody and it has good harmony. I don't want it to be a good song because you recorded three chords and then added so many layers that it sounds cool. Yeah. And I'm not saying that's what that is. I'm just playing. That's what this whole record is. I'm just playing devil's advocate that some of the songs were that way to were me, that, you know? Yeah. And there I were agree. also some really good melodies. Like I thought Canyon moon was a really good song. Mm -hmm. That one's good, you know, but there were some songs that were just, that were literally just that three chords. And it was the DJ formula. Yes. And which was, which by that, I mean, taking away and bringing back in. So mm -hmm. it's specifically with drums and bass. So a lot of the songs were like, we're going to lay three chords down and then we're going to put the drums in and then the bass in, and then we're going to pull the bass out for a second just so you want it. And then we're going <laughs> to drop it back in and we're going to pull the drums back. And that's the DJ. That's what DJs do. That's yeah. all it is. Maybe you don't realize, but that's, that, <laughs> that's all it is. And that's why you, you know, bounce up and down on the dance floor when they drop the bass because they took it away for a second. You know, I was initially when I initially saw this album at 491 only being released a year ago. Um, I didn't want I didn't want it on the list. I still might not want it on the list, but I will say this. I added it to my phone to the digital yeah. yeah it's on my phone i'm not gonna buy the vinyl i'm yeah, not gonna, I'm not buy, gonna the buy the vinyl and there would be a couple songs i would add to my phone um i would add uh canyon moon yeah. and i would might even add watermelon sugar oh, <laughs> i hate to say it uh, because really? I, it wasn't overplayed for me you know um 
I mean, well, I heard fuck, it a just few cue times. it up like 200 more times. And I yeah. trust, trust me, you're going to want to fucking vomit every time you hear somebody singing about watermelons. So my opinion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just like I was talking about, though, with the three chords and the layers, it, it takes away from the in, from the the genuineness of it. You know what I mean? So for yeah. me, this is like a stark comparison with the um, stark contrast, I should say, with the Bonnie Raitt record, which is just yes. the totally opposite. It was like um limited instrumentation and she was just putting and not that they're stylistically similar whatsoever but just in terms of um just the level that to which they were produced you know yeah. like this was maybe not as genuine you know it was a little more um less or a little less pure you know and Although, so go ahead interestingly enough harry styles has co-writing credits on all of them every single one yeah that's, Respect. That's impressive. Yeah, no, I agree. Respect. Um, so for me, I said, um, in my opinion, he's someone to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to put this one. I, I'm saying no personally for this record, but he's someone to keep an eye on. I'm, listen, I'm with you. It's too soon. Yeah. It's yeah. too soon. I mean, just sitting here thinking about it, um, there's literally, there's no historical perspective for this. And, uh, you know, right. if this was... If this was 1989 by Taylor Swift and it had only been out for a year, you know, I might give that one a shot. Yeah. Right? I had a lot <laughs> of love think that for 1989. Fuck yeah. I think 1989 should be top 250. Holy shit. I love 1989 by Taylor Swift. Wow. Okay. It's a well, fucking we're gonna get great to that. record. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but speaking of getting to, so if you want to play along, um, and again, it, listen, if you got comments, questions, if you want to chime in on any of this stuff, go to anchor.m at anchor.fm forward slash this list sucks, send us a message or send us an email to this list sucks at gmail.com. Um, let us know what you think. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. If you can find a list that you think would be fascinating for us to go through, even if it's a short list, send it to us because yeah. this is not going to be the only list that we ever tackle on this list sucks. We should talk about that in that we're not going to do this list straight through. We've, we've, no. we've been talking about it and 500 is a lot and we're going to do it all. We don't, yeah. we're going to, we're committed to that, but what we are going to do is break it up and do little one-off episodes on other lists just so we get a break from it and you guys don't get bored from this this one list because this one sucks for sure. When you this take a long awful. road trip, you never take a long road trip without stopping to take a piss every once in a while. Yeah. And we're going to take plenty of bathroom breaks. Yeah. So <laughs> please give us suggestions. We're going to do and it doesn't even have to be music. We we live we're definitely music nerds, but we're down for whatever list you have, you yeah. know. So um, but if you want to play along and listen to what we're going to talk about next week, uh, we'll go ahead and go through the albums that we're going to be listening to over the next week and talking about next Friday. So at number 490, it's going to be Linda Ronstadt, and the album is Heart Like a Wheel from 1975. Yeah. 489 is Phil Spector and various artists. So I don't know how we feel about the various artists thing. We had a bit of a conversation about that last week. I already fucking um, hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Spector and various artists back to mono, which was recorded between, uh, it says 1958 to 1969, but then it says yeah. it was released in 1991. So we're going to have to do a little research into that one. But yeah. uh, what's yeah. next? Um, after that at 488, it's going to be the Stooges from 1969. Uh, the self-titled album, the Stooges from the Stooges. I'm excited about that. Yeah. That should be fun. And I'm excited about the next one as well, which is 487, 
damaged by Black Flag. So that's going to be an exciting one to get into. I'm with you. About. Yeah. I've never Henry dug Rollins. Yeah. I've never dug into Stooges or Black Flag. So we're about in the same page there. So, yeah. So I'm excited about that. And then the last album that we're going to be talking about next week is number 486. And it is Continuum, uh, the 2006 album from John Mayer, which I, I literally, I have no experience with any of these albums coming up. None. Whatsoever. Not even Continuum. No. Wow. Yeah. Well, you're in for a treat, I think, with that. In my nice. opinion. Nice. So, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that next week. So yeah. thank you so much to everybody for tuning in. And again, send us an email at thislistsucks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. If you have any lists you want us to rip apart, we'll gladly do so. Absolutely. Certainly. Thank you for listening. Um, hope that you tune in next week. If you, uh, if you like what you hear so far, make sure that you subscribe either on Spotify or Apple or Stitcher or wherever else you're listening to your podcast. We really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking to you and visiting with you again next week. Absolutely. Goodbye now. Bye. Bye.